Alrighty, well, we'll get started here. Uh, I'm here talking with composer Joey Newman, and uh, thanks so much for doing this, Joey. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess to start off, I, uh, I, you know, we all know you come from a very musical family, and it clearly runs in the family, but when, when did your interest in music start, and what made you want to join in on that, on that legacy? Well, I, I, you know, I've started playing drums uh, and beating on things and being percussive very early. Um, my family recalls, like, you know, three, four years old, I was already kind of banging with chopsticks. And <laughs> at eight years old, I got my first drum set. And I think that's the point where I knew um, playing music was a huge part of my life. It, it was, you know, it was always, I guess, in some ways a hobby, but turned into much more, you know, as I started to get older. Um, when I went to, I mean, I was surrounded by music my whole life, but drumming and being, you know, about listening to groove and great music, R&B, soul, funk, pop, whatever it was, was always kind of something I was just always uh, attracted to. Mm -hmm. And then I got into the rock phase like most of my high school friends did, and we all loved rock and metal and all that kind of thing. And then um, when it came down to, when I was about 15 or 16, I'd met a kid in, in high school that was a guitar player, a songwriter, and we just started we just spoke through this musical language all the time and I kind of knew that was it for me. Um, though it wasn't about composing, it wasn't about orchestral music, it was about I knew I was going to be a drummer. So I you know, went off to Berklee College of Music in Boston initially as a performance major because I wanted to be a studio drummer. That was my goal. Uh -huh. So the first couple of years that's all I did was play. And then I had, uh, and I had done a little bit, you know, in, in my later years in high school, like right before I graduated, my mom's friend was an older, uh, he was like a UCLA grad student, but he was a little on the older side, did a short film and had me write some music to it. And I remember, because I played piano for many years too, I studied piano at 11, and I definitely had been playing, you know, and doing a little bit of just kind of goofing around writing, kind of into songs, doing a little bit of songwriting kind of thing here and there, but just for myself. But I did score that thing and went, boy, this is kind of fun. You know, <laughs> it definitely is, I see what's going on. But it wasn't until my third year in college I said, yeah, this is I, I I as much as I love drumming, writing music and having it performed and working with musicians and conducting in particular was something that was that was my calling. It just clicked, you know. That switch flipped, and all the Newman genealogy just spread itself out. <laughs> I knew it was, I, I knew that was my calling at that point. And did, I mean, were you uh, were you a film? Do you watch movies too? I mean, you know, you, yeah, your yeah. family, yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, big film, big film fan, big film music fan, and you know. Big fans of my family, in particular, outside of just being a member, but also just a fan of their music. Right. Did you have any other inspirations growing up besides your, your family members? Definitely. I mean, John Williams was huge. I mean, you know, he was a family friend. My grandfather and he were best friends. I met him many times over my life. Uh, he, I, you know, Star Wars was a big deal to all of us. You know, my grandfather had tons of killer Star Wars toys in his closet, in his garage. <laughs> I used to raid it. And, you know... I was, you know, that music was so powerful because John Williams is a rock star, you know, yeah. His, that stuff was just iconic for all of us. So certainly John on, on more even so, you know, as we start to get to, you know, know his music later and study it versus just enjoying it for what it did and for those singable melodies. I think that was because I'm, a, you know, I'm from a more of a band song world. So singable melodies are something that were really strong for me. So, you know, for example, when Danny Elfman came on the scene, huge fan because it was crazy singable stuff that was so fun and quirky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those type of composers, I think, for me, were, were, were guys that I started to really get into. Yet, you know, my mom would play Tchaikovsky all day long in the house. So it's like, you know, there's definitely, 
a mixture of, of, of elements, but composers who I think, you know, had that real lyrical quality is what I probably uh, was, you know, I was attracted to the most, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being, I mean, you're, you're always surrounded by music and, and there, you know, looking back on film history, there's always been a Newman, you know, working in the industry since, you know, the thirties. So almost sure. the entire history of the medium, does that notion ever daunt you or put any weight on your shoulders? No, I mean, I, I think the thing about my connection to it, I liken myself a lot to Randy, um, being that Randy came from the songwriting world first and then went into film scoring. Right. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm always going to be the drummer in my mind. No matter what I do in my life, that's kind of what I, I like in my, my existence is, is to always try to be the support and backbone of any kind of musical thing I'm in. So mm -hmm. my place as a conductor, I feel, is very similar. When I'm this, you know, leading this group, uh, you know, whether it's in, in time, in emotion, in, in spirit and energy, it's always kind of it's the same feeling I feel as a drummer in a band. I'm I'm keeping time. I'm I'm laying it down. That's kind of my my job. And so I always feel like one of the band members. I've always feel like one of the you know the orchestra members. I you know it, that's kind of being on the podium, being in the music and recording the magic in the, in that. That's what I've been attracted to since day one. All the other stuff we do as you know going going to this and interview that and awards this and all those kinds of things, that, that's just, you know, kind of the fun stuff that's kind of icing. But the, the meat of it is, is the, the, the process of recording these musicians outside of a great collaboration and friendship with a creative individual like your director or producer or showrunner, whoever mm -hmm. it is. Um, that's the joy we get for finding people who are like-minded. But then we get this great benefit of then going off and recording the magic with, you know, five, ten, one hundred people, whatever it's going to be. And that's the, the beauty of, of this is why I, we can't stop in this. And our passion for this art form is that is that to me, it's always about this great musical collaboration that we have with all these people. Mm -hmm. and, and being a Newman in it and having that is, is something that I think I'm going to always bring my own kind of take to it. I, 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 I am not um, Al Newman's son like David and Tom. Mm -hmm. I think there's a shadow for them that must be difficult. You know, at the same time, they're so immensely talented. They've come out of, come out of it completely with their own voice. And Randy's father wasn't even a musician. So, and my thing, because the Newmans uh, are my maternal side, so my, my grandfather Lionel had three daughters, and I'm the youngest, uh, I mean, I'm the, the son of the, his youngest daughter. <laughs> my dad is a whole separate musician in himself. So, you know, it, in being in Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds in the 70s, so he's, he's a singer, he's an R&B blues guy. My mom was this classically trained ballerina, and I come from this. So, for, so music is, is, so I think I cross all of those boundaries. That's what I like. I, I, I like to be in the pop world, and I like to be, you know, in, like in the, in the groove world, and I like to be in, in, the, in the orchestral world. Yeah. And so, but because I'm not directly in, con in connection with that, I feel like, you know, the, the pressures on me are much more, if anything, is just like, hey, what does this Newman who's doing it now have to say? And I'm going to, you know, it's going to be what I do no matter what. And I just, well, I, I always hope that I represent the family's legacy well, but certainly I'm going to be my own, my own way in doing it, you know. And oh, that's definitely, kind of, yeah. yeah. And I needed, you did mention that you, you know, you worked, you work a lot with conducting mm. and um, I'm not a musician, but uh, I just, I, I, you know, I always wanted to want to know as a conductor, what is the, you know, the role of the conductor and what are you adding to the to the ensemble that's not on the sheet music and what's your role as a conductor? Well, traditionally, um, you know, I mean, here I was on stage, you know, I was sandwiched in between Michael Tilson Thomas and John Williams the, the other night, which right. was totally surreal for me, especially, um, you know, I, I, what I've always come to think about conductors in this business in particular, you know, there's, there's two types right now, right? There's the traditional 
classical concert conductor, music director of symphonies and all of this. And then there's a composer or a film scoring conductor are kind of two different beasts. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I and what I kind of thought was so fascinating about the program with the YMF the other night was that it it the students had basically both of those right there, you know, three in a row. However, John, you know, goes both in the concert world and the classical world. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, and the film scoring mm -hmm. world. So you have he, but I'm very much your film scoring kind of conductor. My training ground is such. So, so when I get out to be with classical music, it's it's you know it's different for me. Controlling, you know, you have, you have to remember as film in film music, our whole job is to get into that studio, rehearse that orchestra, get that take in three hours. Right. Or every hour we have to get a certain amount of minutes. So it becomes almost like um. It's it's like a it's a complete like assignment you know we're in there and it's not we're just not making magic we're not talking about necessarily um, you know that this is going to be please play it in this way and think of it this way it's like here's the page here are the notes okay now we're going to emote this now go for that we, we need a little bit more out of here we're out of tune here you know it's it's much more a recording process um, as opposed to a live concert where it's a whole different kind of beast so my job as a conductor has been mainly to to get the best possible take out of that orchestra and emote the, you know, according to whatever the composer is, whether it's myself or I'm hired by somebody to get the best, best take I possibly can out of that. And then um, that's pretty much what all I have time to do in those kind of settings. Right. When I was on the podium the other night, it was about this, this um, you know, connecting to the audience. It's about emoting this music in a much different way and treating it as a piece of, of listenable, playable music as opposed to its purpose in the film. So that was a really great experience. And I think that's what the two differences really are, is that, you know, art, that's why so many composers don't really conduct their own music. They, they'd rather sit back and produce it, because in the end, that's the final product. When you're on the podium the other night for a live concert, the final product is what you're in right at that moment. Right. Um, so it's really it's two different hats, I, I find. And, and I, I think it's um, both are very exciting, but there's just nothing better than taking an orchestra, you know, on which we call on the stick, which means no, no clicks, no click track, no studio, and just... Just keeping them together, having them play as a unit, and listen to each other, and have them follow you. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> so I, I'm assuming that that Sunday night was a a pretty big experience for you. I mean, you you you're working with alongside John Williams for the Young you know Young Musicians Foundation Gala. I mean, what, what was that whole experience like? It was uh, it was incredible. I mean, you know, I I hadn't seen John in a while, though I've met him many times, and uh, we had a rehearsal on Friday night at Local 47, and he came to, and he was. It was his first rehearsal with the group. He spent about an hour plus um, rehearsing them on his on his pieces, and he was so eloquent, um, so wonderful to the to the students, and so amazing to listen to as a, as a person who, from you know, just the way that he would explain what they should be thinking during this moment in this passage. It's not like when you're in the, when you're in a film studio, you know, recording session, and you sit there and you're like, okay, okay, oboe, no, 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 you know, this is wrong. Change this note. You, you know, let's. It's like we're just so direct. And John gets up and just has this amazing way of making the player, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pick them out, but he just says it in a way that's so great, that makes them feel encouraged. It doesn't make them feel shamed or, oh my goodness, you know, that, that, or something of that kind of nature. So I was able to not only witness that, but then afterwards, um, you know, I, I got the, the luxury of, of rehearsing the uh, 1010 piece in particular mm -hmm. right. before he got there. So then... Afterwards, he came off the you know off the podium after he was done rehearsing them and said, you know what, I think they sound great. I'm, I'm not even going to come to rehearsal tomorrow. I'll just see you guys Sunday. So he did the dress, and I got to you know conduct his piece again to rehearse him you know on sa on Saturday. And man, it was just like playing through his music is such a joy. 
So it was so great to see that he had such faith, not only in all of us doing it, but also in this great orchestra. And then when I saw him on Sunday, you know, we shared some moments together and just spoke a little bit about my grandfather and the legacy of, you know, here we are, you know, generational kind of thing. John is able to kind of watch me, you know, which was, I think, obviously a vision in some way of, of my grandfather um, coming up and doing something like this. I, I think it was this really, it was a really special Williams Newman moment, I yeah. think. It was really, really <laughs> exciting. And he's such a gracious gentleman. So, so, so wonderful. And, you know, I, I'm in awe, of course, like everybody else watching him. Uh, yeah, I saw him over the summer. That was my first time going to his Hollywood Bowl concert, and it was magical. It was. It's, just, it's great. I mean, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you know your 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 work, and you're currently working on uh, the ABC comedy The Middle. Right. And I always think that the half hour comedy is always. I think I feel like it'd be a really tricky beast to score. Yes. Uh, so what is what is the goal of music on a you know thirty minute sitcom like The Middle? Yeah, that's a. It's, you know, it's. It's one of these things, I think um, the single cam comedies like this one, like uh, Suburgatory or, you know, any of the ones that, that aren't with the multicam sit in one location, laugh track kind of thing, right. um, are definitely more difficult to score in the sense of, uh, you know, there's still small bits, there's still transitions and act-ins and act-outs here and there, but, you know, you have to say a lot more, a lot less in a, in a certain amount of time, and, um, you know, comedy is by far, I find, still the hardest thing to write. I mean, especially with great comedy writers, you need to leave that room for those actors to, to do their thing and not step on the jokes and not feel forced and all this mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I find, I find uh, even on the middle, we're always playing with that. You know, sometimes we nail it. Sometimes we're, you know, maybe I'm a little too busy. Maybe I'm a little too little. You know, you never, you got to always kind of feel it out. And luckily, I, I have a great showrunner in Eileen Heisler, who was one of the creators of the show, and she's also a musician. So her, you know, she's got really unique kind of, uh, I think, a, a great unique ability to see within the music, but also completely from the co the comedic stand of it. You know, she knows immediately how it's feeling to her if it's working, if it's stepping on the comedy or not. And I find that an amazing um, lesson. So every time I do a, a comedy with any person who I, who I, you know, any writer, any showrunner that has a great knack for comedy, I'm always learning on what it means to kind of get in the way or not get in the way of that kind of stuff and, and where the beats because you have to really have I think a knack for humor yourself to understand where those jokes are coming from to write the music that also fits in so it, it seems like you know I'm writing a little tiny bits but I tell you it takes me longer to write some of that stuff than it would to write a you know three or four minute cue yeah it's fascinating yeah so you're right it definitely is a tricky beast um, and you know because it's not library in the same kind of way of like Here's a bunch of cues, and they're just cutting in transitions and things like that for like the the uh, multicam. This is scored to picture. This is scored to scenes, and I have developed themes for characters and sounds for characters. So it's you know very much along the traditional scoring line. Which is I, I was going to ask. So you're you are able to create kind of arcs with your music over over seasons of of the show. Definitely, definitely. It's something I've tried to do. You know, I try to do that for every sh series so that at least there's something I can kind of lock into mm -hmm. to me as I kind of get along. Whether it's an instrument or it's a specific groove or style or motif musically, I still use the same kind of things in anything I write. There's always going to be something like that so that it, it always will help me as the series develops to pull from, to add to, or whatever it might be. Otherwise, it could just be, you know, one guitar you never change, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it's got to have something to where I can connect. Because I have, you know, when, that, when, when a character does something, you want to have that flavor around. It doesn't always have to hit you, you know, kind of over the head, but you want the flavor to be there so that the audience can connect, too. And so are you, 
I mean, you, you do have a grand idea of what, you know, what the season's going to be. So are you, you know, do you have the end in sight usually, or are you more working in the moment from episode to episode? I like to work um, in the moment from episode to episode. The, the, the best part about the show is when we get a show. I just recently scored one, um, one of the ones coming up, uh, where I got to dive in a bit more musically because they had a lot more kind of funny things happening. I think one of the fun things I've done on the show is when we, we can really play the comedy ridiculous. You know, we get it more absurd uh, about some of the things, but still make it sound like our show. You know, everybody's done the holiday show where you have to turn holiday music into the sound of your show and maneuver all of that. And that kind of kind of a- adaptive quality always makes it a lot of fun. But in particular, when we get to go really far out a bit on the show, it's always my kind of favorite. So there's a few coming up. Um, you know, I've, I've done a few like that, and there's one coming up like that. But no, I, I, I tend to always try to take it show by show. I don't like to watch it. I, I, like, to, I like to watch it at the music spot first time. So mm-hmm. my reactions are, are, are completely first time, you know, visceral, emotional, so I can really feel it out. And, and, and it's great because then I can know I, I laugh at the right spots or I don't laugh at the right spots. And then not only can my showrunner see that, but then I can also learn exactly what the intention was so that we can fix it all too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, I love to take, it to, to, uh, to, to take it show by show. That's the way I, that's the way I think is best for this series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you also, you, I mean, you, you've done documentary scoring, but you also worked on the uh, Little People Big World for TLC, yeah. which is, it's a documentary series. And, and how do you approach, because I've talked to other documentary composers and they, you know, it's, it's because a lot of it is narration and a lot of it is uh, presented to you in a, in a feature way. But as, as a show, you're, it's really more of a, you know, you're sitting back and just viewing the lives of these people. So how do you approach musically to something non-fictional? like that that's a that's a great question um the that series in particular uh you know it was a, it was when i when i was first asked to do it i thought it pretty daunting to say that wow you know i'm scoring a family this isn't this wasn't a um a doc on a subject matter uh that you would just kind of meet people and you know i've, I've done that kind of thing where they profiled people and and you know you're kind of doing this was a a, lo- a series that obviously ended up turning long term, but mm-hmm. of, of a family. So you're kind of developing a, a, a literally the soundtrack to their lives. Right. And, and I remember when I met them for the first time, and I went up to their farm, and, and and I just kind of went, wow, you know, these people have been, I've they've kind of grown up listening to my music, scoring their their every move in a sense, you know. And that's a pretty pretty interesting. Uh, honor, privileged, and kind of responsibility. I felt, you know, I mean, I always wanted this family uh, to, to, you know, in terms of music, to to feel vibrant and alive and vast and as large of a personality as they all were. And they lived on a gigantic farm. Matt Roloff is very, you know, he's an amazing, strong character, big personality, and I wanted that to reflect in the music. So did the producers, and you know, we—I always felt they shot it so beautifully. So it all kind of fit. And and I and over the you know over the seasons, we changed the music from more, I would say, definitely quirkier, uh, more Tom Newman esque kind of like stuff. It grew into a much more kind of orchestral hybrid landscape, mm-hmm. which I thought was great because the show itself kind of moved as he got you know bigger and bigger projects and expanded his farm and expanded his business and his family's you know. Uh, uh, you know, reach to everything. The music, I think, went along with it, and then they went to Iraq, and we ha- we were able to go down that kind of role. I mean, it was it's it's pretty incredible. So definitely, the feeling that I had for that show first time through, as I said, I'm not going to library this show um, with just you know, it, it can't be treated 
you know, cut to cut to cut to cut. It needs to be scored to picture. Right. Because if it doesn't, it won't have the same impact on those really emotional moments that you want to feel it. They are giving you that. The family was giving us that kind of stuff. I mean, I, you know, they are, they are that show. <laughs> yeah. and I, I've met them. They are definitely that. And it's just, you know, that, that stuff is real. And when they're feel, feeling hurt and, and it's powerful, it's powerful. So that's, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I guess, did you ever lose your sight, lose yourself in thinking that, oh, I'm scoring, you know, uh, a narrative here. Did it ever feel like a narrative, like it was a story being unfolded to you? I, I, I would say that um, I, I never felt, I mean, everything they shot was always real. I mean, whether they had to, to find something because, you know, like the family couldn't give them everything they needed to finish a certain kind of segment, mm-hmm. you know, that's when they got slightly creative. But everything that I ever saw was definitely kind of what, you know, how it went down. And I would then score it accordingly. Um, and the beauty is, is that if, you know, I was able to sometimes build these great arcs within within only twenty minute episode, which is great because they would have it, you know it would just work that way where they really built the show from the beginning to the end and it actually had that that arc though small because it's only twenty minutes you know twenty two minutes in the end for a half hour show um, you know I, I was able to get a lot out of it which which I felt was really great so sometimes you know a few in particular things I really got emotional about honestly I mean when when one of the characters um, a gentleman named Mike who was like a family friend to them who worked with Matt in his business passed away. Um, you know, writing that stuff was actually pretty emotional. It, you know, you're writing, you know, music surrounded by, you know, death and a loss, but it's one thing when you, when it's scripted, right? And then all right. of a sudden you're realizing you're actually, that's a real person that passed away. You know, it's like, it was, it was definitely, or, you know, there was another, um, Matt had a, uh, a show about when his, uh, CODA was like, um, a coalition for dwarf advocacy uh, they were they, they had gone and tried to help a family a dwarf family adopt another dwarf who had also had a lot of problems. So this one named Chance and I wrote music for that and it was so emotional to watch this family it, it, and it's real stuff and I think that's why it's so attracted to the show was that it was it was real. I was scoring drama but real drama and it wasn't you know there was no script behind it. There was no it, these were real people feeling real emotions and that was something that has been so special. So to be nominated for that show. You know, a few years ago, was just the pinnacle because it was such a. To me, I put so much of my blood, sweat, and tears into that show, and to be recognized was was a real special feeling for, especially for a TLC show shoved in the middle of all those other great series. Yeah, but yeah, it just sounds like a very unique experience, though. It it was. It was something that I I cherish, and you know, still working on it today too. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've come back with these hour-long specials, and um, it's still just as much of a blast. So it's great. Well, as we. Uh, wrap up. I always like to ask composers uh, this one question: If you had the uh, the opportunity to score any film ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer, uh, which movie would you choose? Oh wow! <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know this is going to sound probably cliche because every other composer on the planet has felt this way, but it's just like I, you know, when I was in college, I saw Shawshank Redemption, and I wanted to score that movie right off the bat. And still to this day, you would never be able to to repeat that score. But I just loved that film, and I think I've always wanted to score that kind of you know uh-huh. to, to be able to kind of do all those elements just was was awesome, and I just loved it. So that, I'd probably have to say that because to this day, I still still one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Let's go. I, mean, I don't think anyone has said that yet. So that's well, good. Good. Well, good. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, I'm out of questions for you, uh, Joey. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for your time and it was a blast 
Oh man, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's and great. It's it's great meeting you and great talking to you. Oh, you too. We'll definitely have to do this again very soon in the future. I'd love it. I'd love it.